Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT Radio app. Big time agents! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our program. Every weekday from 5 to 7, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app. And on the Twitch app, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat this Tuesday, September the 13th of 2022, a rainy day in South Bend. It is currently eight minutes after five o'clock. We have playoff baseball coming up tonight on WSBT Radio. The South Bend Cubs hosting the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Game one of a best of three Midwest League Western Division Championship Series. 7.05 first pitch. The pregame will get underway at 6.45 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. They have an off day on Wednesday, game two Thursday if necessary. Game three is on Friday. Well, here in South Bend, obviously, the top story sports-wise is the Notre Dame football team sitting at 0-2 after losing to Marshall on Saturday, 26-21. Tyler Buckner, their starting quarterback, is out four months after needing shoulder surgery. He injured his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, in the 26-21 loss to Marshall on Saturday. So Drew Pine is now the starting quarterback. Freshman Steve Angeli is number two. Coming up on the program, we'll talk about the Irish offense with Drew Pine now at the helm. You'll hear some post-game comments from Fighting Irish tight end Michael Mayer. We have our Twitter question of the day, our My 5 question of the day, five things to know about Saturday's opponent, the California Golden Bears. In the 6 o'clock hour, we'll talk about leadership, which is a strength of head coach Marcus Freeman and a necessary trait this week as he tries to keep his guys locked in, focused, continuing to work hard, and try to get that first victory of the year on Saturday against California. We will take a quick look at where the White Sox stand. They have 21 games left in the regular season and still trying to sneak in the postseason by winning the AL Central. And we have our sports wagering segment, and it was a bad night last night from a sports wagering standpoint. It might be a toss-up. Who had the worst night? Me and my sports wagering picks last night on the show, or Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett, who absolutely, inexplicably, butchered the final a minute 11 of last night's Monday night football game electing to kick a 64-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth down and five and allowing 30 seconds to come off the clock before using the first of three timeouts at his disposal. 
I'm not sure who had the worst night. I'm going to say Nathaniel because if I had as bad a night as him, boy, I should be miserable at this time. Well, I'm miserable anyway as a Bronco fan. That is one of the most mind-numbing experiences I've ever had as a fan. I don't know if any of the teams I root for has ever had a more poor coaching moment than what I witnessed last night in the final 111 of that football game. It took me an hour to go to sleep because I was so frustrated, angry, in disbelief how a head coach in the NFL can absolutely mishandle the closing moments of the game. It's his first game as a head coach. You know what's remarkable? These football coaches do an amazing job of breaking down film, figuring out the weaknesses of the opposition, putting together game plans week in and week out. I mean, it is something that the average Joe can't do. Calling plays, trying to decide what to do against cover two or man-to-man, whatever the case may be. It's remarkable what football coaches have to do and can accomplish. But then the simple things of game management that the average Joe could kind of figure out, many struggle with that capacity. It's unbelievable. I'm still shook from last night. I'm still a little angry. I've never been this angry following a game like last night. I mean, it has been on my mind all day. Like, how in the world could someone be a head coach in the NFL and just absolutely mishandle what we saw last night? And McManus, the field goal kicker, almost made it from 64 yards to bail him out. But if you're going to trade three first-round picks and all these players for a franchise quarterback and then give him $49 million per year – He's thrown for over 300 yards. A 64-yard field goal is better than giving the ball to your quarterback on fourth down and five. hi yi I hope I'm done with this game later on tonight because, man, oh, man, this, this one has just been on my mind all day and just can't get it off my mind. You probably watched it last night as a neutral fan and – probably were screaming at the TV just like all of us Bronco fans were in disbelief of what was transpiring. Well, on the ESPN Manning cast last night on ESPN2, Peyton Manning, a former Bronco quarterback, his brother Eli Manning, and Bronco Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp watched it all unfold, and it all started from third down and 14 for Denver at their own 44 with a minute 11 left, and these guys know a heck of a lot more about football than I do, and their reaction was the same. Sutton. Sutton. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, yes. A good play. Okay. That now, yes. Got, now, now, Big we, miss. Now we've got fourth and, five, fourth and five is doable. we got three timeouts. See, I might use one right here, E. Let's use no one. Doubt. Let's talk about this one. Let's talk about this one. They're gonna try to draw. They can try to draw them off sides. Might try to draw them off sides. E. You don't have that much time. Snap count. Well, you don't want to waste that much time. I don't think. Running a play. They look. They look unsettled. Sutton doesn't know what he's doing. Hurry up. Hurry. Time out. Time out. Time out. out. What the? So you just burned thirty seconds to call a timeout. Oh a lot of time, a lot of time wasted right there to call a timeout, Pate. Yes, right? yes. Even now, if you if you get five yards, I mean, you still got two timeouts, but you got to you got to get some yardage. They're gonna kick it. They're gonna kick it. Kick, kick so, what? Oh, they're gonna kick. They're kicking it right here. Kicking the field goal right here. Hold on. Oh. How far? They're kicking Let me see how far this 62 is. Sixty-two yarder. 63-yarder. What? (laughs) Yeah, Shannon, I was saying the same thing. What? What are we doing? Sorry, sometimes I do say we with my teams. Shouldn't do that. But, yeah, that was an all-timer last night. Seahawks win 
17 to 16 on a night in which Denver fumbled twice inside the one yard line in the shotgun from the two inch line twice. Yet it's second and four from midfield. We have the quarterback under center. Why can't you be under center at the one inch line? How many times have you yelled that at your team? I, I think we hired Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys head coach. He's known for just these mind-numbing decisions. We hired Mike McCarthy to be our head coach. Holy cow. After Saturday's Notre Dame game and now this on Monday, I'm pretty much throwing in the white towel for a couple of days. Can I just take a break? My brain needs a break after what I've witnessed the last 72 hours. I'm not sure I can handle anything else right now for a couple of days. Holy Toledo. All right, 517 at WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, our first pitch tonight, the Notre Dame offense kind of starting anew with Drew Pine now as their starting quarterback. So what is this offense going to look like? We probably remember as Irish fans, media members, that Drew Pine played against Cincinnati and Wisconsin. He's got some mobility, but more of a pocket guy. He can move better than Jack Cohn did, not as well as Tyler Buckner. Doesn't have that really good speed that Buckner brings to the table, but he's mobile. He can move around in the pocket. He can get you a few yards. But what is this all going to look like? Well, yesterday, Marcus Freeman was asked about similarities, differences between Pine and Buckner. The, the major difference is probably the straight line speed. You know, Tyler Buckner is I mean, he's maybe a four or five guy. He can run straight line. Drew's athletic, but he's not straight line as as fast as Tyler. Um, but I think the ability to pull the ball in zone reads to make a team respect you as a quarterback, being able to run the ball is something that Drew can do. And so the 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 passing game, I don't see much different. I don't see much change in that package, but it's OK. What exactly runs are we going to have him do um, in the run game? All right, so he thinks that the read option game, which Buckner's great at, is something Pine can do as well. Passing game, he believes, will be similar. Now, see, as I sit here looking at it, I can't see Pine being highly successful over a 60-minute football game with the read option, but yet... I could see Pine being asked to do a little more in the passing game than Tyler Buckner. So I guess I look at this whole thing differently. Maybe I'm just absolutely dead wrong. Let's go back to when Tyler Buckner was named the starting quarterback back in August. And Tommy Reese talked about that decision and needing to kind of go in a direction with an offense because the directions are a little different between the two quarterbacks. You know, we've been evaluating it for probably close to a year. You know, if you take a full body of work and the ability each quarterback has, um, you know, I think we think it, for our team's best interest, you know, naming a starting quarterback is important. You know, not only for the team, but for that individual and the direction that we're moving forward on offense. Um, it was a very hard decision. You know, you have two kids that are working very hard uh, to accomplish a goal. You know, Drew has been the best Drew Pine he's been since he's been at Notre Dame, which is a huge credit to him. You know, we felt like Tyler gives us the best chance. Um, you know, to point to one moment, we had a practice a couple days ago where, you know, we probably felt like, okay, this is what it's going to look like and this is where we can operate at our best. And, you know, we made the decision as a staff and as a group and, you know, we're full steam ahead. So there you heard Tommy Reese talking about seeing the direction they want to go with the offense, which Buckner does differently than Pine. And also had a chance to see what it was going to look like, and they liked the way it looked with Buckner. Which then brings us to Monday in the audio I just played that it kind of felt like the offense was going to be very similar, but yet in August, 
you had to choose between the two because you had to go a different direction with the offense. So I don't know what to expect on Saturday, to be perfectly honest. A mystery has been formed by word salads. Let's move forward. Let's think about the last two games and moving forward, Drew Pine. Offensive line play was not great against Ohio State. It got better against Marshall, but of course the level of competition was a little different in those two games. Marcus Freeman was asked if the offensive line issues is causing problems in play calling. I think it's at all three levels. You know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's the offensive lineman's fault. It's, you know, from, from offensive line to quarterback to running back to wideouts to tight ends. You know, it's there, there's multiple different levels of, of lack of execution. Um, but again, we are an O-line driven program. I've said that and, and it starts up front and we know at every position we got improved but at O-line too. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say. Marcus mentioned this is an offensive line and defensive line program. They're going to set the tone for everybody. We all know offensive line play is the key to success on the offensive side of the football. Without it, you don't have a shot. Ask Phil Dracovic up at Boston College right now. His offensive line is a mess. There's no way he's going to make it through the season healthy. He is going to get destroyed by the opposition. In fact, I'd be shocked if he's healthy by the time he comes back to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. Offensive line play is going to affect play calling. There's only certain things you can do. I mean, if pass protection is not very good, that includes running backs and tight ends, you can't have your quarterback hold on to the football that long. Now, the Irish have tried to do that with Buckner. I like to get the ball out of his hand quick right now, but now that assignment goes to Drew Pine. Let's see if they can get the ball out of his hand quickly to eliminate any pressure issues, and allow the playmakers to get their hands on the football. Lorenzo Styles got the ball to him in some creative ways on Saturday, and he did some damage. Chris Tyree, we'll get to him in a moment. In fact, let's just touch on Chris Tyree right now. One of the guys I think we label as a playmaker on this team, Mayer, Styles, Tyree, three names that came to mind right away. And we've established that we felt like Tyree was going to be a multi-dimensional player for this football team. Running back, electric speed, runs between the tackles, the ability from his time at high school to be a wide receiver option for this football team. He has been terrific catching the football for the Fighting Irish. But through two games, one of your top weapons has nine rushes and three catches. He is averaging six touches over the first two games. Two games that were highly competitive from start to finish. It wasn't like he was leaving the game at the end of the third quarter because the game was a blowout. No, these were games that were up for grabs in the closing moments. He's averaging six touches a game. Rushing attempts, obviously, much more controllable. Than catches. Nine rushes through two games. Marcus Freeman, lack of touches for Tyree, a problem, a concern? Yeah, we got to try to find ways to get the ball in his hands. You know, with, with Chris, it's, it's unique because he played more plays than the other running backs, but you're using him at so many different positions, at wide out, using a slot, using him at running back. And so um, – He's a guy that we, we know has to be on the field. I think we got to find ways to get the ball in his hands because he's a playmaker. Um, and and we'll, we'll find ways to do that. You know, like you said, I believe he's a guy that makes plays with his, the ball in his hands. And it's certainly, certainly a position that offer, the hot hand can take over during a game. Do you like the committee approach? Do you, do you want to try to settle it on one, or are you just happy to settle it on one each game when you see a running back kind of emerge that game? Yeah, I think at some point we'll, we'll say who's the, the hot hand, but – they all have separate packages. You know, the things you do with Chris Tyree, you're not always going to do with Osric. And, you know, Logan Diggs, he's also, to me, a threat in the pass game, can do some different things. And so I think they all have their package. You're going to need them all. You know, nowadays of using one, maybe two running backs, it just doesn't happen. You know, the ability to, to roll those guys and, and, 
you know, you play 80 plays on offense, you know, and the ability to have a, a stable of guys that can come in and, and get the job done is important. But um, again, if there's a guy that might have the hot hand, we got to keep him in there. But you said a second ago, they all have packages. And you can't just use one or two. Why not? I don't understand why you have to play three. If you got two guys that are working well, why not go with them? It's either got to be you have packages or you go with the hot hand. I, I, It's hard to do both. See, this is why I just don't know where we're going with the offense right now. I guess we're just going to have to sit back, grab a cold beverage, put your feet up, grab some popcorn, nachos, and just see what the heck is going to happen on Saturday because I'm kind of lost at this time. Finally, did we see any of this coming in practice in August? You go back to fall camp, the issues of running the football and offensive line play, all these things. Was any of this noticeable? Did you see this coming? Um, you know, I want to be able to run the ball better, you know, and so we have to look at, um, I mean, we had 130 yards rushing today, but we, we I still didn't feel like we could run it at will, you know, and so how do we get it to the point where we feel like we can stay consistent and stay in rhythm by the ability to run the ball? And, and we got to, you know, we got to hit open wide receivers in the pass game. It's not always a quarterback's ball, right? It could be a route. It could be timing. It could be any of the many things that, that happen, which cause incompletions. But those are things that we have to improve at defensively. We got to, we got to, as I said earlier, we have to be able to stop offenses when it matters the most. Our defense did a good job, but when it mattered the most, we didn't get the stop that we needed. And we needed that as a team. We needed that stop um, when the ball's on the five yard line and we're up. You know, we needed to stop last week when we're down four points and the ball's on the five yard line. So when it matters the most, we got to be able to step up defensively and, and make those stops that we need to do. Cal and Notre Dame, Saturday at 2.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. The hours right around an 11-point favorite in this matchup with the Bears from the old Pac-12 Conference. I'm looking forward to seeing what this offense is all about with Drew Pine and whether it's packages or the hot hand at running back, I don't know. As Clark Griswold said, where's the Tylenol? All right, 529 is our time. Sportsbeat continues in a couple of moments. We'll go back to Saturday. Arguably the best player of the football team, Michael Mayer. His thoughts after losing to Marshall and starting the year 0-2. We'll get to that coming up in a couple of moments as Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Flag by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 535 at Sports Radio 960, WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. On Twitter at 960 Sportsbeat, William chimed in. Maybe Reese is better suited for calling plays with a quarterback of Pine's skill set. You know, that's that's an interesting thought. I had a conversation with a couple of Notre Dame media members after the Marshall game, and I thought there are times that I think Buckner's passing skill set is developing at this time, and I personally just felt like some of the passing play calls felt like Jack Cohn rather than Tyler Buckner. There's a big difference between those two throwing the football at their stages of their football career and reading defenses, 
timing, getting the ball out of their hand on time, which Jack Cohn was very good at. Buckner can be late at times delivering the football. So, you know what, William, you might be right. Maybe Tommy Reese will get into a good rhythm calling plays with Drew Pine. Let's see if he takes care of the football. That's the one thing we have to watch out for. you got to take care of the football, throw one up for grabs in the game against Marshall. Well, Drew Pine hopefully can find Michael Mayer out there, and Mayer was targeted 12 times against Marshall. The Irish tight end had eight catches for 103 yards and a touchdown, 22 yards after catch, had a long of 30 in the ball game, and through two games, the All-American has 13 catches for 105 yards, 10.4 yards per catch, and he has a receiving touchdown. Michael Mayer was one of four Notre Dame football players that met the media following the 26-21 loss to Marshall on Saturday, and he offered his thoughts on where this football team is right now, where the offense stands, and just trying to keep on moving forward after a very surprising 0-2 start. I don't know. It's hard. We execute during practice. We, we, we do runs during practice. We have great runs during practice, 15, 20, 25, 30-yard runs. Um, and at this point, I think it's just about coming out here and executing the runs. I mean, we know what we have to do. We do it every single day in practice. We did it all camp. We ran the ball so much in camp, and we ran so good in camp. I just think it's about coming out here and executing. So would you see in the locker room from the end of the game over time you came in here now that, that lets you know you guys are going to respond in the right way? Oh, we got a long season ahead. I think people know that. Um, you know, our goal is to, to win out the rest of the season. Um, obviously, very, very tough loss. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to lose ever. Um, so we're going to come in tomorrow, watch the film. Um, coach is going to coach us up. And, uh, you know, we're just going to get ready for Cal. I mean, there's nothing really else we can do, you know. Far left, second row. Michael, uh, I mean, obviously the start of the season, a little bit different outcomes compared to what you're used to. Is is there something missing from this year's team compared to previous years at six out? No, no. Um, like I said, we had a great camp. Uh, we had a great uh, summer. Um, we got a lot of great players on this team, a lot of great players. Um, I think we're just still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, and uh that's what we're going to have to do at practice this week and throughout the rest of the season. We're going to have to try to figure it out. And uh, that's that's really all we can do. Front row to your right with Pete. Mike, Connor, uh, I think, you know, quarterbacks get more credit than probably they deserve when they win or blame when you lose. How, how has Tyler handled this spotlight um, and sort of being in this situation for the first time? Uh, he's a humble dude. Um, he he worked his tail off today. He, he did he did what he could. Um, Obviously, the injury is horrible. Um, haven't really talked to him about that yet. But um, he went out there and, and he worked his tail off. Um, you know, I don't think we can ask anything more of him. Um, it comes down to just the offense kind of as a whole, everybody executing more. Um, and I wish we did that today. We'll go to very back row here in the middle with Pete. Yeah, Mike, this is obviously not a position that you're familiar with in your time at Notre Dame. Can you put into words just kind of the level of frustration you and probably your teammates feel right now? <laughs> I'm pretty frustrated today um, because we lost, but we'll watch the film tomorrow um, and, and, and Tuesday we'll start preparing for Cal. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get a win there and, and, and start rolling then. Um, you, you really can't kind of sulk in these losses. I mean, we're 0-2. Yes, it, it's horrible. Of course it's horrible. Um, but we're just going to prepare for the, the next team, um, try to execute the best we can execute and, uh, just keep playing the season. We'll go all the way in the back with LeVon. Michael, um, after the game, you showed some emotions and as well as Jared. What was kind of, as a captain, what's it like trying to, you know, rally these guys back and get them on the field and, you know, become level-headed once you get into the yeah. uh, Our goals as a captain are to lead our team to victory. Um, and, you know, we, we fell short today. I tried my best. I know J-Pat tried his best, but we got to do better. Um, and I think it starts with just the weekly preparation and not just today in general. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I saw that. I think we're both a little frustrated. We, we both try to be the best leader we can be, and uh, we, fell up a little, we fell a little bit short. Well, that's a pretty good choice to represent your football team after a very frustrating loss and an 0-2 start to the season. Michael Mayer, the Irish tight end, very level-headed. 
provided some good answers. You heard him a couple of times, kind of take a second, heard the question, thought about it, and and then gave really solid answers. It was interesting. A couple of times he mentioned, hey, we're going to come in and watch the film tomorrow. Well, there was a, a full-fledged practice on Sunday, which Notre Dame says is normal, but Michael was talking about, hey, we're going to come in and watch film. Well, maybe they watched film, but they were out there practicing as well. We'll see if they practice on Sundays, if that's the norm, and then they take Mondays off. Man, I would like to rest on Sunday personally after getting knocked around, but I've never played football at the Division I level, so maybe I'm mistaken on that. Hey, the Irish are going to take on Cal on Saturday. Cal played UNLV last Saturday, and eked out a victory over the running Rebels. These are obviously two teams that are on the Notre Dame schedule. UNLV did not have a tight end catch a pass in their matchup against California. You look at the California defense, the numbers are not very impressive. And let's also keep in mind, all they have played so far is Cal Davis and UNLV. So these defensive numbers aren't very good, and that's against weak competition. They are 67th in the country in total defense, giving up 348 yards per game. They are 29th in scoring defense at 13.5 points. 62nd in run defense. Maybe the Irish run game can get healthy against Cal. Cal's giving up 124 yards per game. And again, against Cal Davis and UNLV, giving up 4.28 yards per carry. 37th in pass efficiency defense. And against those two teams, they're 28th in third down defense at 26.7%. Cal had a really rough start to last year. They turned things around, and they're actually 6-2 and two in their last eight games. But the wins this year, not overly impressive against Cal Davis and UNLV. When we come back, our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday we asked... If Brian Kelly was the head coach of Notre Dame on Saturday, would they have beaten Marshall? You have answered the question. We'll give you the results coming up next on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now. Back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Well, we started the program reminiscing about the interesting coaching decision in the final minute of the Denver Seattle Monday night game. Nathaniel Hackett from the Seattle 46 elected to try a 64 yard field goal rather than going for it on fourth down and five with his. Brand new $49 million quarterback at the helm of his offense. Decision did not make sense then, doesn't make sense now. I'm a frustrated fan. And Nathaniel Hackett met the media just a little bit ago. And here's what he said about his decision last night to kick the 64-yard field goal rather than to go for it on fourth and five. 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15. You know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not, you know, one of those things you look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. <sighs> we definitely should have gone for it. Yeah, that's what the world was thinking too. But unfortunately, the guy making the call in the moment did not think it out that way. And here we are. Just so much fun being 0-1 losing a game like that. I'm not sure if that makes me feel better or worse. 11 minutes in front of 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day yesterday. If Brian Kelly was still Notre Dame's head coach Saturday, would the Irish have beaten Marshall? You voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. The two choices, yes, he would have made a difference, the Irish would have won the game, or no, it would not have mattered. Well, the votes are in. 
63% of people who voted said yes. If Brian Kelly was the head coach of the Irish on Saturday, Notre Dame would have beaten Marshall. 37% say no. No matter the head coach, it would not have mattered. If I had a vote, it would have taken me a half a second to click yes. It would have made a difference. Like him or not, Brian Kelly was pretty good at fixing things in games on both sides of the football. Didn't always work. Sometimes the other team had better players like Alabama in the playoffs. But Brian could tweak things on the fly. And that's something Marcus will learn with more time, getting experience as a head coach. I think he can fix things defensively, but offensively, it's on the shoulders of Tommy Reese. So again, 63% believe if Brian Kelly was the head coach Saturday, Notre Dame would have won the game. Interesting vote. We had a lot of people voting on that question. So thank you for your participation. Now here comes today's question. Of these four choices, what about the Notre Dame football team right now concerns you the most? Choice number one, inexperienced head coach. Choice number two, the offensive play calling. Number three, fourth quarter defense. Or the fourth choice, now playing a backup quarterback. So what about the Notre Dame football team right now concerns you the most of the four choices, inexperienced head coach, offensive play calling, fourth quarter defense, or now playing a backup quarterback? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. And looking at the early voting, all four choices right now are in double digits. So... The votes are pretty spread out at this particular time. There's not really one choice dominating. But the two in the lead are the two I expected to be in the lead. So we'd love for you to vote on Twitter at 960 Sportsbeat. Come back tomorrow. We'll pass along the results of today's Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. 553. We're going to teach you stuff about Saturday's opponent, Cal, next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Fighting Irish will take on the Cal Bears at Notre Dame Stadium Saturday, 2.30 kick right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 8 a.m. So in preparation for the boys from Berkeley to come to town, we give you five things that eh, maybe you need to know about California. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, Cal is a 2-0 football team. But have they been impressive? (laughs) They beat Cal Davis 34-13 in last Saturday. A home win over UNLV 20-14. Last year, the Bears started 1-5 and finished 5-7 overall, including 4-5 in the Pac-12. So you take the last six games of last year and the first two games of this year, Cal is 6-2 in their last eight. Four. Number four, things to know about California. They have some skill position players to watch. We'll leave the quarterback for later. But running back Jaden Ott, 24 carries this year for 157 yards, 6.5 yards per carry. He has a rushing touchdown. He also has two receiving touchdowns, five catches, for 42 yards for Ott. A couple of wide receivers to know. Jeremiah Hunter, 11 catches for 157 and a touchdown. And also wide receiver J. Michael Sturdivant, 10 catches for 104. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. 
Well, number three, we're going to talk about notable alumni from California. Well, you can go a lot of different directions here with Hollywood, scientists, athletes. So we'll just kind of give you a little taste of it. Stephen Chu, Secretary of Energy in the Obama administration. Sidney Howard, an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay in 1940 for the movie Gone with the Wind. Gregory Peck, an actor, won the Academy Award for Best Actor for his portrayal of Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. That was back in 1962. Also, an alumnus of California, Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. Then there's some pretty good athletes along the way. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers, former NBA guard and current NBA head coach Jason Kidd. Hall of Fame tight end Tony Gonzalez. Soccer star Alex Morgan. And a couple of actors, Chris Pine and... From Star Trek fame, George Tacky. Those are some of the alumni of California. Number two. Cal was involved in one of the most famous plays in college football history. It was the rivalry game against Stanford, known simply as The Game. In 1982, Stanford had just taken a 20-19 lead with four seconds left in the contest as John Elway led the Cardinal on a drive, resulting in a field goal to take the one-point lead. If Stanford wins, they qualify for a bowl game. Just four seconds left. What could go wrong, right? All Stanford had to do was kick the football off, tackle the Cal ball carrier, and the ball game ended. Instead... I'm not sure there's ever been a more crazy final four seconds of a game. Exciting and, hey, let's face it, it was just sheer craziness. Harmon will probably try to swim it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rodgers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to be out of the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. You know, he might be right. All the laterals that took place, and at the end of the play, the Stanford band was on the field. The trombone player got absolutely ran over by the Cal player, scoring the touchdown. And with all those laterals and the band on the field, California, in the game, needed the play to beat Stanford 25-20. Number one. And the other thing you need to know about California is their current quarterback, Jack Plummer. No relation to former NFL and Arizona State quarterback, Jake Plummer. This is just Jack Plummer. The Irish have faced him before last year at Notre Dame Stadium. Plummer played for Purdue. And in that game, he went 25 of 136 for 187 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He ended last year completing 68% of his passes, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. So far this year, the completion percentage really hasn't changed. 51 of 74, 68.9%. Plummer has thrown for 546 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions against Cal Davis and UNLV. That's the My Five for today. It is five minutes after six o'clock. Here comes a Sports Center update on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. 
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Six twelve at Sports Radio, nine sixty WSBT streaming live at wsbtradio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. Hope you're having a terrific Tuesday. Thanks for joining me on WSBT Radio. We have just about twenty eight minutes left in the program for today. Then I have to get out of the way for postseason baseball at Four Winds Field on a rainy. Day in South Bend, the Cubs taking on Cedar Rapids in game one of a best of three Western Division Championship Series. Game two, and if necessary, game three, is in Cedar Rapids on Thursday and Friday. So the final four is a best of three. The Championship Series is a best of five. And, of course, South Bend won the title in 2019, trying to win it again here in 2022. Meanwhile, the Fighting Irish football team are looking for a victory in 2022 after falling to Ohio State in their opener, playing a highly competitive football game. Hopes were still high after playing the Buckeyes tough on the road. And then the shocker last Saturday, Marshall took down the Irish at the stadium 26-21. The Irish will try to get Marcus Freeman that first victory on Saturday with California coming to South Bend. You know, one of the great things I think we've learned about Marcus Freeman, he is a terrific leader. He's a great leader of those men in the locker room. They adore him. We saw it when Brian Kelly left, and there was a big push from the players to get Marcus Freeman as the new head coach. We have seen his leadership skills on display in practice. You can sense it in conversations with the media. This is one of his great traits is being a leader. And obviously that is a great trait to have right now with the football team at 0-2. You could argue his leadership skills will be really put to the test this week to try to keep this football team motivated. Their goals were set high to win a national championship. Now the best they can do is win 10 in a row just to have a chance to get a New Year's Six Bowl bid. You lose one more, then you're starting to get into those names of bowl games that you can never remember. And then you have to wonder about the focus. I mean, when you have high goals and they're gone, you've really got to stay locked in as an individual, and that's the job of the coaches, too, to keep those players locked in. So Marcus Freeman was asked what he can do right now to help his football team move forward. And I can't sit here and point the fingers at, at any one person. You start with pointing the finger at yourself and saying, hey, I'm going to evaluate myself first as the leader of this program and say, okay, where can we improve? And then you got to challenge. we got to challenge everything we're doing. We can't just say, okay, hey, guys, just keep doing it the same way and things are just magically going to improve. No, we got to be very strategic and honest with ourselves and honest with each other, which isn't uncomfortable all the time. But we have to be honest and really take a unbiased look and say, okay, are we doing what's best for this team? Do we have the right people on the field? Are we schematically doing the things that it takes to have success? Because for two entire games, it hasn't shown. It's shown at points. We've done a really good job at points in the game. But the entirety of two games, it's not where we need to be. And so as a leader, i got to be the first one to look at myself, and then we got to really look at what we're doing and, and challenge it. Well, you name captains at the start of the year. Captains lead the way in so many capacities, whether it is a drill in practice, making sure people are showing up to practice on time. The list goes on and on. But captains are important right now with this football team 0-2. In fact, captains need to set the tone for the rest of the football team because the rest of the team looks to them for guidance. Coach Freeman believes the right leaders are in place for this football team to continue to keep pushing forward. Right now is going to be a difficult time because there's two two situations going to happen, right? There's going to be people that would say you aren't good enough, you know, 
you guys aren't a good enough team. And there's going to be people that say, it's okay, you did your job. And neither of those things can creep into our program, right? We have to stay together, look internally and say, okay, what do we have to do as individuals? It's not that I did my job. It's not that, hey, I'm not good enough. It's not what do we have to do as an individual to improve and to make sure we're in a position to execute on Saturdays. Now, this next topic, I went back and forth on, to be honest. Captain Jared Patterson, All-American offensive lineman, was very frustrated following the game. In fact, he wanted to go into the locker room without singing the alma mater, was pushed back out on the field, and then was the first one in the locker room. I mean, he was visibly upset and frustrated after the five-point loss to Marshall. My initial reaction was, that's a pretty poor way for a captain to act. That's not what the rest of the team needs to see from a leader. More I thought about it, you understand how someone who cares would react like that. Now, leaving the field without singing the alma mater, I think that's a bad look. If he's firing his helmet, you know what? I That doesn't bother me. I'm just glad he cares. I do not like the fact he tried to leave the field, but being visibly frustrated, being the first one in the locker room, you know what? I'm okay with that. That's that's not a big deal, but going through with the alma mater is, is part of the deal, win or lose, and a captain has to show that, hey, we have to do things the same way whether we win or lose. And Coach Freeman was asked about Patterson being seen very emotional and frustrated following the game. You know, an ultimate competitor, you know, and, and when you're a competitive person, man, your emotions when you lose can take control of you. And I didn't see it, but I'm sure that's the case. And so, as I said to the guys in the locker room, that's when we need our leadership the most, right? When things are at the toughest moments, right? No matter if it's starting off 0-2, no matter where we go from here, when it matters the most in those toughest and hardest moments, that's when your leadership has to come out. And so this won't be the last time Jared Patterson is in a situation where he's disappointed and he has to continue to understand that that's where you have to be a leader and you have to make sure that everybody's watching you. Same with me. Everybody watches how you act when things are tough. When things are good, it's easy, man. Everybody's happy. It's, it's easy to be a leader when everything's going well. When things are going not so well, that's to me when the character of leadership will show. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Everybody loves to be a captain on a team where everything is going well. You're winning like you're supposed to. You don't have to worry about people not showing up on time to practice or not doing this, not doing that. Everyone's normally pretty locked in when things are going well. How do things go when, like in this case, you're 0-2? That's where being a leader is vitally important. Again, you set the tone. You set the example. Stay on the field for the alma mater. Everything else, I'm kind of okay with. Show emotion within reason. Within reason, you don't want to throw your helmet up against the wall or something and, and crack the helmet. That's not a great look. But, hey, to be visibly frustrated and annoyed and angry, that's okay for the rest of the team to see because that shows that you're all in. Jared Patterson could be right now recouping in some NFL city right now after practice today. He could be an NFL player right now making a paycheck. But he elected to come back to win a title. That's gone. And that's where I'm sure the frustration lies. He gave up the NFL this year to come back to try to accomplish something great. I know he's probably totally annoyed that he got injured, could not help the team at Ohio State, then you lose to Marshall, then all of your goals are absolutely gone. You lose once, you still have a shot at the playoff, lose twice, now you're down to a New Year's Six Bowl game as the best you can do. Lose one more, then you're in that pool of all the bowl games that take place between Christmas and and New Year's Day. And that's not fun for a guy that gave up all those NFL dreams to come back for one more year. It's tough. I get it. It's tough.
It's fun being a leader when everything's going great. It's challenging when things don't go so well, and that's what the captains are dealing with at the present time. Finally, here's Marcus Freeman on dealing with tough times earlier in his career. Are those moments helping him now? I think the same things I learned at Purdue and Cincinnati that first year and, and even here last year, we didn't start off really hot on defense. And uh, I think it forces you to continue to always evaluate and to really take a deep dive into what we're doing and why we're doing and where's the miscommunication and where's the errors at and how do we get it fixed, you know, and, and that's reality. I, I, win or lose, you got to be able to do that. And I think that's what um, we're forced to do right now is really take a deep dive how we're preparing, where the mistakes are coming, right? Where is the, the non-execution really coming and how do we get it fixed? Is it an understanding of what is expected? Is it a personnel issue? Is it a physical or mental issue? Um, those are the, the questions we have to ask as coaches and we have to look at ourselves first and say, where is the misconnection, you know, the miscommunication from, from us, the vision we see as coaches, to the execution of it from the players, and really find a way to make sure by consolidating things or by, you know, teaching them in a better way. Um, but at some point, we got to get the result that we're looking for on the field. All those are good examples of things that could be altogether leading to this point of being 0-2. One thing not mentioned, maybe part of it is game planning or play calling. That could be a small part of this as well. A lot of credit to Marcus Freeman from this standpoint. Under Brian Kelly, during the season, you did not hear from the coordinators. Early on in his tenure, you did. Then he wanted to be the CEO, the voice of the program, and he was the press conference guy. 0-2 football team with all these question marks and all these struggles. Tonight, Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator, Al Golden, defensive coordinator, are meeting the media. Drew Pine, the new starting quarterback, is going to meet the media. Last year, you might recall, Notre Dame lost to Cincinnati and Brian Kelly didn't send out the people that were supposed to visit with the media on a a Tuesday or a Wednesday. He sent walk-ons. That was his way with handling a loss. How does Marcus Freeman do it? With class. By sending the coordinators to talk to the media. Not a fun assignment, but I love it. It shows class. It shows credibility. And we'll see what the two coordinators have to say about where their units are at this particular time. 25 minutes after 6 o'clock, this is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. We just had a conversation about holding yourself accountable. When things go bad, you have to stand there and take it like a man. Well, I'm about to do that myself because we started back on weekday sports, I think May 28th. And since May 28th, all the sports wagering segments only one time Have I gone 0 for 4 in my picks in a day? Well, unfortunately, it happened again last night. And it's a further example. Never, ever, 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 ever wager on your own team. Not pretty last night. As a Bronco fan... I took it on the chin. Broncos minus six. Broncos never had the lead at any point in the game. Forget about it. Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Over one and a half touchdown passes. Had one in the second quarter. Had a touchdown 
that ended up being two inches shy of the goal line. That would have put him over one and a half touchdown passes, but he ended up with one. Javante Williams was the one wager I wasn't very confident in. His first two carries went for 21 yards. He ended up with 43. They ended up giving Melvin Gordon more touches, which for the life of me, I don't get it. The over-under was 57 and a half rushing yards. He had 43. And they had the Broncos leading at halftime, minus three and a half points. They were down 17-13. So 0-4. The only saving grace, I hit the underdog pick. Has to be a plus number. At plus 110, we had Broncos receiver Jerry Judy with an anytime touchdown. And he caught a long touchdown pass from Wilson. So we actually won our underdog pick. But regular picks 0-4 for the month. Now 15-12-1 for the year. 133-109-3. and Well, we can't do any worse. Let's see if we can do it a little better. The goal now is figure out a way to get back to 500 for the week. But we're off to an 0-4 start. Big hill to climb. Here are the picks for tonight. I'm going with the White Sox and the Cardinals on a two-team parlay. White Sox on the money line at home against the Rockies. Cardinals on the money line at home against the Brewers. Love Jordan Montgomery pitching for the Cardinals. They picked him up from the Yankees at the trade deadline. White Sox are taking on a horrible road team. Two-team parlay, White Sox and Cardinals at plus 131, so there is some good juice. Suggestion number two, the Orioles and the Nationals, a regional rivalry. They meet in D.C. tonight. Dean Creamer against Corey Abbott. Corey Abbott used to be a South Bend Cub. I'm going over eight and a half total runs in the game at minus 110. Corey Abbott, I think we were in Cedar Rapids, who the Cubs are playing tonight. It was a rainy night, and Corey and another pitcher came up into my booth because they were charting pitches, get out of the rain. We had a rain delay, and they sat and chat for a while. Corey, good dude. I always thought he could be a, a number three, number four type starter in the majors. The Cubs gave up on Abbott very quickly. He is caught on. With the Washington Nationals, ERA under 4.30 so far as a starter with Washington. So he's holding his own. But I'm going over 8.5 total runs, Orioles and Nats tonight. Our third suggestion, we've got the Yankees and the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Garrett Cole versus Nick Pavetta. The Red Sox have had Cole's number the last year so that's why I'm going over eight and a half total runs in this game at minus 105 and my fourth and final suggestion for tonight the Mariners and the Padres playing in San Diego I'm going Mariners on the money line at minus 110 I've got Logan Gilbert out dueling you Darvish in that matchup in San Diego So, once again, two-team parlay, White Sox and Cardinals at plus 131. Orioles and Nats over 8.5 total runs at minus 110. Yankees and Red Sox over 8.5 total runs at minus 105. And Mariners on the money line against the Padres at minus 110. The underdog pick for tonight, I'm trying to send some good vibes to the White Sox. They need this underdog pick to hit. I'm going with the Angels on the money line at Cleveland at plus 110. Mike Trout homered in seven straight games. Jose Suarez, pretty good starter for the Angels. Goes against a young guy for the Guardians, Cody Morris. So let's back those Angels tonight on the money line on the road at plus 110. Those are the four suggestions and the underdog pick for tonight's sports wagering segment. We go into Sizzler here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. As we start to wind things down on Sports Beat for tonight, a quick update where we stand with the Chicago White Sox. Miguel Cairo taking over for Tony LaRussa after his health issues. Sox are playing some pretty decent baseball right now. 
Guardians still lead the American League Central. They're at 74 and 65. They have 23 games left. Of note, they have five games at home against the Twins coming up, three against Tampa Bay. And this is probably not great for the White Sox. The Guardians end the year with six home games against Kansas City. The White Sox are three games back at 72 and 69. 21 games to go. They're four games that they have coming up against Cleveland are huge. They have a home game against Cleveland on September the 15th, two days away, a makeup game, and then three at Cleveland September 20th through the 22nd. They also have six against the Twins coming up as they have the final three games of the year at home against Minnesota. The Twins are now five back at 69-70. and 70. Guardians' magic number for winning the AL Central is now 20. In the wild card chase, you've got Astros, Yankees, Guardians as the division winners as of right now. With the Rays beating the Blue Jays in game one of a doubleheader today, the Rays and the Mariners are tied for the first wild card spot. The third wild card spot, the last one belongs to the Blue Jays, who are a half a game behind those two teams. Then you've got the Orioles, five and a half behind the Blue Jays, and the White Sox are seven behind the Blue Jays for that final wild card spot. And the White Sox elimination number from the wild card chase is currently. 15. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. South Bend Orthopedics team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape, must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. And Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Well, Sports Beat is complete for tonight. 639 at WSBT. We'll be back tomorrow at 5 o'clock for two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't forget Mishawaka Cayman football Friday night, 7 o'clock on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Mishawaka hosting Plymouth. And we have the Irish and Cal Saturday at 2.30 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 